Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Simply Technical. We're back again. I believe this is episode seven. And we got a couple different topics, of course. We've had a kind of a backlog of a couple episodes, but yeah. it's good to be back recording. Keaton, yeah, yeah. Evan, of Let's course. Um, we got to step up our, our game when it comes to clips. I'm partially <laughs> at fault for that. Um, but you had a test, so. Yeah, yeah, I was busy the last two weeks essentially if you're if you're worried about the test guys don't worry he got 100 um, i did <laughs> we kind of want to start off with the hot topic that's been going on recently right this yeah yeah in weather balloon <laughs> a chinese weather balloon is what they're weather balloon or spy balloon or whatever it is yeah spy spy uh, weather balloon gate <laughs> and balloon it, gate Got shot down last night or yesterday evening, I think. Yeah. When it went over the so. uh, is Atlantic. Pacific? Atlantic? Over the Atlantic, yeah. I'm an engineer, but I can't remember which oceans are around the United States. Atlantic's uh, on the East Coast side. <laughs> yeah. So it got shot over the Atlantic. It kind of flew in from Canada, followed a flight path down through Montana, North Dakota, and ended up over the Carolinas, which... If it's truly a Chinese weather balloon, that's a little daunting. Well, I don't go ahead. As a you mean like literally a weather balloon, like just I mean a balloon, a surveillance balloon that flies over the United States. Yeah, that is not the U.S. I mean the if it was the United States, I guess that would be a little weird too. But the fact that it's a foreign entity is not yeah. good <laughs> so then what was the point like why is it what are the speculations on why this was like from the u.s side and then what do the chinese say well i mean from a military standpoint it's going to be obviously looking at like they know where our bases are so they know where to fly it but you know how much information can you collect from flying over a air force base you see what type of planes are out there what kind of maintenance if they have any big thing is surface-to-air missiles any type of um, defenses? Mm-hmm. You know, granted, it is the middle of the United States, but, I mean, the that's other Air Force bases are going to be a little similar. Go ahead. Yeah, that's where is it, the middle of the United States is, like, generally where we keep a large amount of military assets, right? Because they're kind of protected from any sort of long-range attacks, I guess. Is that what Yeah, what that I mean, that's, that's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, you have to get a lot closer because currently I don't think we have... I mean, nukes are a, a little different, but mm-hmm. I don't think we have anything that could reach all the way around the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's something in the back pocket that we have. And from the Chinese side, like, if you are to go to war, not that this will lead to war, um, but if you are to go to war, one of the biggest threats the United States has is their air force. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of ships, like we have the largest Navy, um, but the U.S. has the largest Air Force in the world, and the second largest Air Force, like Air Force in the world, is the Navy. So, um, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we have more airplanes than like the next like six countries combined, or something. That's insane. Um, so, obviously, our air su- superiority is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and our tactics, which I know we didn't talk about this before, but I saw something that said 
I think it was it might have been a Joe Rogan podcast or another podcast talking about one of the reasons why the United States is funding the Ukraine war is to kind of study up on modern tactics. I mean, oh, because we don't have like uh, experience in yeah. Today's... Well, and one of the big things is is Russia and Ukraine aren't really using airplanes that all that much. Yeah, which I think is because. The U.S. has been sending quite a bit of anti-air um, yeah. surface-to-air missiles, not necessarily from like silos, but um, movable missile turrets. That's interesting, but is it more so because they don't have that technology, like Russia and and Ukraine, well, I mean, or like a lot of? I mean, yeah, there's not going to be that many like dogfights. I know we heard yeah. the, the ghost of Kiev or whatever like, <laughs> back when the, the legend propaganda. Yeah, that. Uh, but I would think if you have that domination like that, you would use it to your advantage and just yeah. wipe out towns or wipe out, you know, we know that military age people are here. Let's take them out. Yeah. And they've already evacuated all the women and children for the most part. I mean, there's obviously still going to be some, but any military age man is going to be fighting there. So yeah, if you're Russia, like, I don't know. It's an interesting like theory. The other theory was, well, we just need to get rid of a bunch of this equipment. Can't really oh. trash it. Let's just send it over. Yeah. And, and aid against fighting. Not necessarily an enemy. I don't think Russia is really the United States enemy currently, but... I think they're one of our... You would our, say they're an enemy? Yeah, yeah. It's like strategical. It's strategic for us to help Ukraine and let, let Russia cripple themselves without us losing any men, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, if you have extra equipment that you're going to get rid of, you can give it to another country that doesn't, uh, that helps your fight against, like I said, I, I wouldn't really consider them enemy, but they're definitely not our friend. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say we dislike them, but it was, I, enemy is strong, is a strong word. I would say like North Korea is an enemy of the United States, but yeah, maybe, I don't know. They're definitely leaning that way. Um, yeah. But who knows, like maybe this weather balloon, back to this weather balloon, um, maybe this weather balloon wasn't surveillance, but it seems unlikely. Yeah. What did it fly over? Like multiple bases? Like, yeah. It I, like it... um, so from the research I did, Montana, North Dakota, and Wyoming, it flew over about four to five Air Force bases, and three of them are nuclear capable. Ah, of so, course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, granted, the fact that the news knows that they're nuclear capable, what does that mean? Well, China knows they're nuclear capable as well before that. Yeah. So. Um, so what? But what's the point of the balloon? Like, why can't you just get? Why can't they just have satellites? I mean, they have plenty of satellite pictures of these bases. I'm pretty sure. Uh, that's a really good question. I think a lot of it's just pure speculation. Um, yeah. My initial thought is maybe you don't know maybe the exact location. Maybe you have a little bit more like fine tuning on location. Yeah. Maybe you have a you know a lot better lens to look at these bases. Yeah. Maybe see the type of personnel. I'm I'm not really for sure. This, this weather balloon, like I said, most of it's just pure speculation. The Pentagon. Put out in the media that, oh, we've been tracking this since early uh, January. 
early January. Yeah, <laughs> it's been flying for quite a while. And they also released that. Well, there's been several other balloons like trying to fly over the United States too. Um, yeah, it's it's Do kind the, of just a giant L. But do the balloons get better? They they get like better pictures than. I guess, but I mean, we could take pictures of freaking Mars, like. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, then then why why didn't we shoot it down before it got here? Like, what's the? This seems like some weird game between. Uh, it's cat and mouse, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I, so there's another conspiracy that has a little bit of truth to it that there was other types of you know news to cover up that maybe there was some other type of scandal or something like that in the white house or with white house admin cabinet maybe yeah um, and they needed something covered up so hey let's talk about how the threat of war with china is a big deal let's let their weather balloon or even launch our own weather balloon you know if this is super deep conspiracy of like launching our own weather balloon and blaming on somebody else yeah um that's that's a thing i know that i saw that one of the cabinet members, I think it was Secretary of State, yeah, Lincoln. Uh, was going to visit China. This weather balloon started flying in the United States. He canceled his meeting or delayed his meeting, I guess, to for the future. yeah. But the, the then it seems like they coincided this or this. It was like almost timed to be at the this meeting with this meeting. And from what I, I mean, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about this situation, but from what I saw, this like. This isn't a meeting that happens very often. Like Xi and the Secretary of State meeting is not not something that like is super common, I guess, between the U.S. and China. So, th- does it seem like they were trying to strong arm us during this meeting, or like send a message, or just seems very yeah. weird that both of them are timed around the same time? If if like I said, the meetings are pretty rare. But at the same time, like, why would you cancel this? I mean, I don't know. A strong I, arm and back. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing that I think of is that it's the United States using it, like, ploying it to use to cancel it rather than the Chinese trying to cancel it. Yeah. I don't really have a lot of faith, I guess, or reason behind either side wanting to cancel it but i just have that gut feeling that gut reaction that maybe why would the united states use this why are they allowed this balloon over the united states to yeah. uh, cancel this meeting like i don't know that's my thought okay so in in the in um the predictions episode you talked about china becoming more aggressive and invading taiwan this year potentially leading to us getting involved do you think this is like a kind of an escalation obviously not really towards taiwan but towards us or is this kind of just meaningless i think it's meaningless but it definitely doesn't help the situation yeah i'm sure i say i'm sure i would really hope that the u.s and china would have like not just like a group text, like a text back and forth, but like I would hope that they're like constantly communicating to each other. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't want to cross any boundaries. And it might not be, you know, the presidents are communicating to each other, but their cabinets mm-hmm. are talking. Um, I would I would really hope so. 
I mean, in other aspects of like, if there's some type of competition, you have other competition, you don't want to, you have like kind of a similar um, equals, you kind of message each other about like, oh, I don't want to step on your toes over certain things. Yeah. Um, that's fairly common. I would really hope, I'm, and I'm sure that they do have those kind of communications. I don't think it necessarily escalates towards Taiwan, but yeah, I would say it definitely sows a little bit of distrust between the American people, the United States government, the American people, and the Chinese government. I think yeah, it definitely yeah, separates both of those groups a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it's turning more and more people. I mean, I can remember in 2016 when, or 2015, I don't know, when, whenever the, I guess the election was in 2016, so I guess Trump was running in 2015 or uh, at the time. And, and and he was talking a lot about China and and them being basically kind of not a, I don't I don't ever I don't know if he ever said enemy or not at that time but sort of like hinting at that and I thought that was something I, I didn't ever remember hearing that before and so it just seems like the divide since around that time has grown and grown and grown to now this is like the peak where everyone's kind of aware oh China doesn't seem to I mean don't really know what the heck this thing was but it seems very suspicious and just kind of a random aggression to me. Yeah. I was watching a podcast with somebody. I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast. I see quite a bit of clips on whether it's TikTok or YouTube shorts or, mm -hmm. and one of the guests he had on was talking about the Chinese government and how it's very difficult. It would be very difficult for them to go to war in general. Yeah. Because of the stats show that they are the greatest producer of their own food but they are also the largest importer obviously they have more people than anybody else in the mm -hmm. world um yeah. them in india and so they obviously have like a food problem well i think they said they grow like they're the largest grower of food in the world and they i think the stat was 40 <coughs> to 50 percent of their food comes from internal which means they have to import the other 50%. Oh, wow. Well, you go to war, like with somebody like the United States, the United States, I think, produces quite a bit of food for them. Yeah. Um, you go to war with the United States, guess what? We've chopped off, you know, maybe it might not be 50%, but, you know, 30%. Yeah. You got to get that from somewhere else. And if the United States has a bunch of allies, guess what? You know, maybe you do lose 50% of your food. Yeah, um, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, both of us are extremely interdependent on each other for so much and it's very dangerous for both i i guess i only ever see it from the u.s perspective and and how we have all shipped all of our manufacturing there is to me i mean to me it's like one of the most dangerous things ever because if you get in a conflict and your drug producers in china well all your americans are incredibly unhealthy and all of us are dependent on a lot of us are dependent on pharmaceuticals and those stop flowing what happens it's it's like chaos Oh, and, that, and you can basically apply that to any industry because China is such a massive manufacturer. And I guess I never considered the opposite is that we give, we are trade partners with China. So we send them things. So they're also dependent on us. It's a give and take that I guess is why probably won't ever completely spill over, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, the world economy will be in shambles if that happens. Yeah. The... I think it might have been the similar podcast that the guy was talking about manufacturing in Mexico is actually a third the cost as it is in China because of shipping and um, imports. Really? And the 
the Mexican labor that is down there is actually more skilled than a lot of Chinese manufacturers and mm -hmm. uh, workers. Yeah. That China has put such an emphasis on learning and their learning is more of a memorization, just like the United States is, I guess. Yeah. But mm -hmm. ours isn't as heavily focused on just learning or I guess memorization yeah. that it's their workers tend to be not as skilled. Yeah. So I don't know how true that is, but it, it tends to make sense. I'd say that. I'm surprised we haven't brought more manufacturing over into Mexico. I wonder if it's just a matter of the chaos with the Mexican government and the cartels. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you have to pay out the cartels to, <laughs> to ship things down there. Um, it yeah, always that... surprises me. We like waged wars in the middle East and then, we kind of just never really did anything about about. <laughs> I'm not saying we should. But I generally prefer generally prefer like an isolationist approach. But just taking that frame of of we we did a lot in the Middle East, but we never really did anything about what's right next to us. Next yeah. to us, because <laughs> it is the cartels are pretty freaking bad, and those drugs do spill over here too as well and uh, affects us indirectly. Well, Mexico doesn't have oil, so... <laughs> um, that is true. <laughs> yeah. As we are on the back end of all of that stuff, yeah. You know, growing up re Republican, and we don't have to get into this too much, but growing up, uh, you know, a conservative family, we always thought George Bush was such a good president. And as I've gotten older, <laughs> it's like, yikes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read too much up on it, but yeah. from what I've heard... Um, it's it's not good um anyways let's uh transition if you're if you're available yeah yeah. I'm, yeah um so i saw a tweet about airbnb and i don't want to spend too much time on it but airbnb cleaning procedures and then cleaning fees so for those that don't know i'm sure most of us know what airbnb is but <laughs> airbnb is like a you rent out your house or you have an extra property and you rent it out for people to come stay in um, it's a hotel, but it's really just a house, so you can have a larger group. It's used to be, tends to be slightly cheaper. Can be supposed uh, to be <laughs> supposed to be slightly cheaper. So you rent this house for like 150 bucks a night. Well, if you can get, you know, four couples or four people to stay there, okay. Well, that's you know, that's thirty dollars a person instead of mm -hmm. eighty to ninety a person at a hotel room if you were to split it up. Well, people are complaining about their business model and how their cleaning fees work. So when you leave, when you check out of your Airbnb, you're you're supposed to clean up a little bit. And usually it's very minimal. In my experience, it's been very minimal. Of like, hey, make sure you throw the towels in this hamper. Um, put all the dishes in the sink or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you take the sheets off. the. Some of them, the more intensive ones have been take the sheets off the bed. Well, this person's tweet, they did all that stuff. Well... The person messaged them saying they're going to charge them their cleaning fee um, of $180, which is basically an extra night of Airbnb, because they didn't vacuum. That's insane. And they're vac they so they leave procedures like they have like a printout for your procedures yeah. on how to leave the Airbnb. I mean, I might just cancel my trip if they said you vacuum. Like, yeah, you guys going to do anything? Yeah, it's like uh, I have you ever seen them. You know the meme with the the little dog and, and the the big 
jack stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but but it's like uh Airbnb hosts hosts a little dog and it's and it says, Oh, uh clean make sure you scrub all the dishes, take out the trash, vacuum, uh feed the birds, and it's just like ridiculous stuff. And then the other the the big dog is this hotels we do everything. It's just like it's like can I can I stay up till ten and do whatever I want? And it's like do whatever you want. We clean everything every single day. You can you can leave all your crap in the room. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like that's essentially what we've evolved to now. Is is Airbnb is like it's become the uh, the antithesis of of staying at a ho- of what it was supposed to be, or was supposed to be like the more freedom than than a hotel. And it's like the opposite now. Uh, you uh, evolve out of your own market. Yeah. Because, I mean, originally, like I said, it was supposed to be, you know, this cheap or less expensive way to, to travel and stay places. Yeah. And it does have its edge case, but it's just become so expensive. And obviously, you're competing against hotels, which are already, I would say, already kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. But because you're going to, mar- you're going to, you know, your price are going to be have to be somewhat similar. Yeah. So if you have, you know, 12 beds in this house, okay, well, it's not going to be $200 a night. It's going to be, you know, 400 Yeah. So, I see that, but but it's just like cable. It's just like cable. Like we make these nice new business models where it's it's oh, it's cool to do have Netflix and and who needs cable anymore? And then you get all these different streaming services, and they end up being more altogether than cable does. And and Airbnb is kind of like that, to where it's like oh, it's cheaper than a hotel, and now now. People have just gotten more and more. Uh, the the companies and the, the hosts have gotten more and more extreme towards and more expensive to, than going to a hotel. It's just like Uber. Like I I one time I was in Florida for and I looked at the Uber prices to go like fifteen minutes and it was one hundred and twenty dollars and I was like, all right, I'll get a cab and paid forty. <laughs> it was like the the entire business model was to take down the taxis and and turns out the taxis were we're the more robust business after all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The, uh, well, I mean, what Uber, Uber eats and that kind of stuff too, is probably going to go that way. I mean, obviously it's already expensive. Yeah. Um, people are going to be like, Oh, well, guess what? Now I'm going to go get my own food because I'm already paying ridiculous for eggs. So yeah. Now, <laughs> now I can't afford to to do that. And maybe because Uber Eats does like shopping and stuff now. Well, the pickup line at Walmart doesn't cost any extra, right? So, yeah, no. <laughs> and I mean, this is good competition. It you know forces business models to evolve and to to grow. Yes, yes. And yeah, the- I definitely don't think it should all be gone. Like. <laughs> It's just ironic that it's turned out this way for so many of these new tech tech companies. Yeah. Well, we had a podcast, what, two years ago with Chance talked about Amazon mm-hmm. and how Amazon's not done yet. Amazon's going to, you know, they're going to start sh- selling. The thing that I remember the most was Amazon's going to sell, sell like sheets of plywood and it's going to run lows at a business. It's going to be like, okay, well, you don't realize how much you know, looking back hindsight, that's going to be ex- super expensive to ship a sheet of plywood somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it's on there somewhere, but like, 
price is just probably ridiculous. Yeah, they end up working themselves out. Like mm-hmm. it all smooths out to where okay, well maybe the old way wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know how much we want to spend on that. And it was, you know, oh, I'll also short. say I, I about Airbnb kind of not quite the same, but also I, I think it got it was like so saturated with people. Everyone was become like just you bought a house and then you individually moved out of your house and bought another one and you turned that first one into an Airbnb. So the market got extremely saturated. So now I'm pretty sure there's a ton of like it's a big movement. Airbnb hosts are, are just losing all their all this money. They said they have essentially like. 10% occupancy when they were having 80 to 90% occupancy before. And so it's also playing a part in the housing market, I think, because all these people are selling their, their Airbnbs uh, just because it's such a saturated market at this point. Yeah. Well, I read something a long time ago that like, I guess financially you're allowed to rent out your house for X amount of days a year uh, yeah. like for tax purposes. And I don't think it's really contributing that much because your house, the way your house is versus how an Airbnb should be mm-hmm. are two vastly different things. Yeah. I mean, obviously, even if your house is in tip-top shape, um, you know, super clean all the time, you know, everything's organized, you still have your personal stuff that needs to be locked away because somebody's going to end up stealing that. Mm-hmm. Your, um, you have to have space for them. You have to have like extra commodities i guess commodities that are consumables maybe like shampoo you know body you know so towels like yeah that's nice you can earn an additional like five grand a year i guess on but the amount of like money you're gonna have to spend or time that you have to spend to change your house into an airbnb-esque uh rentable house is not gonna be worth it yeah that hassle is not Definitely not worth it, especially if you're not if you're not getting a good occupancy rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you gotta like, okay, well, now I gotta go stay somewhere else. You know, while these people mm-hmm. are in my house, okay, well, you gonna get a hotel? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, Summarize: hotels are dominant. Just stay at hotels unless you got more than what seven. Yeah, I mean, if people. you have like, yeah, if you have four to eight people, not bad. And or if you want to do like something really cool, like it's a weekend getaway, and you want to stay in like a mansion, mm-hmm. obviously that's going to be super expensive. But like, that's still obviously you're not going to get that at a hotel. So if you're looking for that kind of niche, I want to live extravagant for the weekend in a you know a mansion or you know a ten bedroom house, you know something ridiculous. That's Airbnb is a very solid option, I think, for that. Yeah. Like it's a vacation choice. If you're trying to be economical, obviously a hotel is mm. probably still gonna be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've seen people do that before. Um, I had a co a past coworker that was like, "Oh yeah, we just go like to these super nice Airbnbs like once a year, and like the family goes, and it's you know like twice as big as they actually need, but it's like super fancy, up to date, modern." So, um, but you talked about you know, economics. So um, I was doing a little bit of research on topics and saw Unusual Whales, which is a Twitter that talks about the economy. And they had written an article that ended up 
coming from CNBC. There, a lot of their stats did. So U.S. credit. Uh, oh, I guess let's let's not start with that. Let's start with um, the car story. I think you had a car story that's which kind of put me on this track. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, yeah. The basically speaking of the financial thing, I saw a tweet that was uh, that was essentially like. America has just some of the worst financial literacy. And I might botch these numbers just by a little bit, but directionally, they're right. Uh, essentially, this person uh, is a car salesman and saw a someone come in wanting to buy a car, income of about $40,000 a year, uh, wanting to buy a $63,000 truck, uh, terrible credit, was going to get a interest rate of about, around 20% a year, thus making the car worth like the cost to buy the car about a hundred thousand dollars and they were able to get to get that one they just needed a co-signer and they were good to go and so it was it was pending approval like someone a forty thousand dollar income buying essentially a hundred thousand dollar car and i i just can't even believe something like that is allowed or the fact that someone will even doesn't even think much about that is is insane, and then it's kind of, it's kind of what we were talking. What we're going to talk about is like how bad the debt culture is in the U.S. and how bad financial literacy is is in the U.S. I'm definitely not like some finance guru, but I think it doesn't take a lot of it takes it takes a little bit of time and effort to learn at least the basics. But when you get the basics down, you're about 90, 90 to ninety five percent there, and I feel like I'm. I'm in the basics camp where I'm good enough. <laughs> the stat about like, I'm going to look it up. If you have like a thousand dollars in your saving account, you're better than like 40% of Americans or something like that. That's insane. Uh, let me look up. Uh... Um. Yeah, 50, 56% of Americans can't cover a $1,000 emergency expense. That is so sad. <laughs> so, yeah. this Another survey from 2016, 70% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. So six years ago, I can imagine that, that getting, is getting worse. Yes. Um, <clears throat> in your school, I see this all the time. In your school, do they teach any type of financial literacy, anything? In high school? Yeah. Yeah, they did, actually. We had a finance class. and um, They talked about debt and buying houses and getting a loan. Yeah, and... taxes, loans, investing, really basic. I mean, good stuff, like stuff that everyone should know. But uh, we might have a bit of a debate on this in because I think I see where this is going. Uh, so did you have did you have that? I had it as well, and which I think is it must have been an, uh, a it was a required class. We had to take it to graduate. Yes, yes. And the, I mean, obviously it's high school. People are not paying attention. It <laughs> it must be required by Oklahoma. Maybe it is. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure. Which goes to my point of I always see tweets or people complaining about it. Of well, my school didn't teach me how to do this in high school. Well, obviously you wouldn't have listened anyways. And then two, Oklahoma has like one of the worst educations. Why are we? Why are we the ones that have it? <laughs> we have yeah, like well, terrible well, education. I guess I guess I I thought you would go the opposite way and 
uh, uh, like you said, most people, huh? No, no, no. I think I think we're on the same side on this on this. Uh, and my, I feel like that's a very contrarian side is that the finance class is kind of useless. Uh, when you have no skin in the game, it means nothing. You, what 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 the heck does does this stuff mean to you when you're I don't actually have any money to do it with, and so. The only way to learn about finances is to deal with finances in real life or i mean truthfully it's an entire life life learning thing where you know if, if a good parent should be teaching their their children about being like a good steward of their money and and a class is not going to fix is not going to fix this systemic problem because i don't think i remember a single thing from that class and to be honest i i actually do remember one thing from the class because it was completely wrong. It's a lie. This was talking about like it was like a calculator for uh, savings interest rate in a bank account, and it was set to seven percent. I was like, "What? That's like a, that's a stock. That's essentially like a stock market, like an S and P five hundred investment calculator." But but yeah, like I like you said, I always see these tweets. Oh, you should. We need finance classes. I, this this is why I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Okay, finance class, fine, but it's not going to fix what you're doing. You can fix it on your your own. You can you can go look. You can use Google. You got the money in front of you. You know you don't know what what to do with it. Use the internet, the the ultimate source of information of all knowledge in the world, <laughs> and it's well, very simple. I would say that, and there's paid classes. Like I took a paid class for Dave Ramsey. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, he has a free radio show that talks about this kind of stuff, too. Yeah. Um, but I took a Dave Ramsey class. And. I mean, his philosophies are out there on the Internet. They're no secrets. So, like, it's not that hard to do the five minutes of research and figure out the best way. And I have seen a bunch of people that, like, bash Dave Ramsey. Of course, everybody has to bash each other. <laughs> um, they bash <laughs> Dave Ramsey. And, but I don't think they understand what he's about. I mean, obviously I mean, they know the essence, but I'm saying <laughs> Dave Ramsey is really good for people that can't save, that are addicted to using their credit cards, yeah. that have zero financial literacy. Obviously, if you're good with money, you don't need to listen to Dave Ramsey. A lot of his things are, you can make more money in the stock market or other things mm -hmm. um, that are better for you but if you can't save if you can't save a thousand dollars and you get a thousand dollars your bank account for an emergency you should be listening to dave ramsey because he's going to help you yeah here's the real problem in the u.s and it, it's not financial literacy that i mean finance finance is to me is about 90 percent discipline can you freaking control yourself to not spend more than than you make and a lot of times we can't because we're so we're so easily uh manipulated i guess or manipulatable and we get in over our head or in over our head on monthly costs that add up and then we're fragile to losing a job like you're stuck okay say most people it's called keeping up with the joneses is, is when you you get a raise every year let's just make it extreme and say each year you get a 25 percent raise and that you'd be very lucky for that to ever happen but let's just say that and then because of that you you keep raising your living costs and you assume the next year, okay, well, I'm going to get another 25% raise. I could get this. I can afford this. And then it doesn't come or you lose your job or you hate your job, but you're so stuck in your, 
your position because you're you have you know let's say you have six thousand dollars of monthly costs like a really high monthly cost and you have six thousand five hundred dollars of income so you're you're pocketing five hundred dollars you're doing okay but you hate your job and you really want to go be like a teacher and make a difference in the world well you you're stuck you you're not going to make seventy five eighty thousand dollars as a teacher and especially in oklahoma and you can't leave and and that's the problem is because we just keep upgrading our lifestyles and we keep adding adding costs and i think that's why i think 90 percent of this of finance is discipline and that's where dave ram so i will say i i kind of hate dave ramsey but not for the popular reasons but what he is really good at is is that discipline aspect that american a lot of americans lack is they don't know how to save like you said and they need someone like dave ramsey Dave Ramsey to be giving in that ear advice, like don't get a credit card, don't ever have any debt. Um, and that's really good for people who are at the base level. But if you if you have discipline, Dave Ramsey is generally not a good because you can make a lot more money uh, using credit cards intelligently. You can make a lot more money instead of buying a car or a house, like half in cash or whatever craziness he says to invest in the stock market and put down 10%, 15%. It's, it's his, his strategy is not going to make you wealthy, but it will keep you safe. <laughs> it will keep you from, from overextending yourself. And I think that's mostly what the majority of Americans need is just like some discipline some with finance. And it's really hard because it's really fun to, to buy nice things and have nice trinkets, but, Gosh, it's it's way worse whenever you see yourself getting stuck in in a job that you hate for years down the line and, and not possibly being able to leave because you're never going to make the same amount of income switching out of it as you do in that position. So that's my preachy uh, <laughs> finance rant. Well, you say the. <clears throat> The cost is too high to be disciplined now, is what people say. But they don't know the cost of how much regret is. Mm -hmm. If you knew the cost of regret, you would have the discipline to overcome, you know, whether whatever it is, whether it's debt, going to the gym, switching jobs, taking that leap of faith. So, yeah, the uh, that's what I was saying, kind of that. Dave Ramsey is not for the people that know how to save. Yeah. If you already have your emergency fund, you know, set up and that kind of stuff, then Dave Ramsey's probably not for you. Mm -hmm. But he's definitely for those people that um, have the $40,000 a year, get a $60,000 truck that they're going to pay $100,000 on <laughs> and turn upside down in. Um, I did see another stat on, on cars specifically. That the average car payment right now is like over seven hundred dollars. I think it's like seven hundred thirty bucks. Seven hundred dollars, holy yes. crap! <laughs> yeah, um, that's yeah. I can't afford rent. I can't afford rent. Okay, well, sell your uh, sell your seven thousand dollar or seven hundred dollar uh, monthly car payment to somebody else and drive a a, a twenty or two thousand one Honda Civic. Um, and one thing that Dave is, is very preachy on is if you can't buy it now, if you can't afford it now, what makes you think you can afford it next week? 
Like, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I can't imagine paying six hundred dollars for. Um, that's that's yeah. like absurd. I can't even wrap my head around that. That's like. And so I, I read another stat on cars that thirty percent of car loans are um, are overdue. So not only are they $730 a month, but they're also 30% of them are overdue. Um, Meaning repossessions might be coming here soon for cars. Um, Yeah. So is the car market going to collapse then? Well, I was also reading from the same guy that said that about the repos. The thing is car dealership guy on Twitter. I think you've seen him before. Oh yeah. We Uh, talked about this on the last. uh, Yeah. We talked a little bit about him. Uh, he he's saying that car that car market is going up currently which the more i read about him like the more tweets i see the more i don't know if i trust him 100% mm-hmm. i say 100% i don't trust him 100% um the the less i'm starting to trust because one day it'll be oh the car market's going to crash and the next day it's actually the car market's going up congratulations it's like I don't think it can be so flip floppy. I mean, it probably can, but like, what are the odds that every other day it's flopping? It's swapping back and forth. Like, it's that game where if you make enough predictions, you're probably wrong on ninety five percent of them. But you, no one remembers the ones you're wrong on. They only remember the ones you're right. And so that's why you make a lot of tweets and you say a lot of things because because you could go back and say, oh, this is right, which is that's not a good thing to do. But that's I feel like that's probably what what the this nice. guy's approaches. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. As a guy that's looking for a car, or probably looking for a car for the next 20 years. Um, yeah. I, I've been reading it. I found a couple cars. Don't worry, guys. Dad, if you're watching, don't worry. I found a couple cars. We're working <laughs> on it. Um, but you're going to buy something you can afford. And so because uh, Dave Ramsey and my dad would both not be proud of me if I took a car loan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but as long as it's not $700, I'll be okay. Um, so I what I was... Like really... 220 That's insane. Yeah. Well, how many of these people are going to their banks? Maybe they don't even have bank accounts. But if you're going to get a car loan, go to a bank. Go to a credit union. Even if you're not a member of that credit union or bank, go there and get a get a quote for a loan um i think i got one a loan for like 350 bucks for like twenty thousand dollars like i don't know i don't remember the term limit but like that's half the price of 730 dollars like yeah uh, but also it's not a you know a fifty thousand dollar car so um let's transition a little bit into Stay still stay on debt. I have some other stats that I wanted to read to you. Um, so credit card users, there was an additional new accounts that were opened in the fourth quarter of last year of 202 million, <laughs> which is insane. That's basically every person in the United States got another uh, adult person in the United States got a credit card. Um, there's 209 million adults, 18 and over. In the United States, and basically all of them got another credit card in the fourth quarter of last year, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. And 
uh, CNBC also reported that the average balance on credit cards went up over that same period by $5,805. So in the fourth quarter of 20, 2022, the average balance of debt for credit cards specifically went up almost $6,000, which raises the U.S. credit card debt to an all-new record of $930.6 billion, which let's read some uh, stats on that. So the average American, average adult American has two and a half credit cards or almost two and a half, just under. So, <laughs> um, I think, I think we're all drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too much. Um, if you're not, <laughs> this is going to sound preachy again. I know we just kind of ranted a little bit, but the, the rewards and benefits you get from credit cards, as soon as you hit any type of credit, they immediately go out the window. Like, if you have to pay any type of interest on a credit card, your benefits are worth nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody said that before. I'm sure they have, but yeah, <laughs> um, I've never seen it's it. It's the always... whole reason for the rewards. When you those rewards are really nice. I mean, they're they're really useful. And why how why would they possibly use? Why would they possibly give such nice rewards for a credit cards, such as airline miles? I mean. That's kind of what I use. I actually open up, we open up credit cards pretty often to basically fly free or almost free for most of our flights. And, but why would a credit card company do that? It's because, because they're so nice, Keaton. Yeah. yeah, The the goodness of their heart. It's it's because people will, will open them trying to get the rewards and then completely lose their minds with, with spending and, and the interest rates are, are going to well, pay for those airline miles, especially the ones that I'm using, because I don't pay pay a dime of interest on my credit cards. It's paid off every single week. So uh, I'll enjoy these nice rewards, but <laughs> so maybe we should give these secrets out about credit cards. <laughs> well, I mean, we did a podcast not, I said not too long, two years ago over like taking advantage of these, these miles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know the f- discover five percent or you know cash back the one percent or the the frequent flyer miles or not frequent flyer the free air travel miles and yeah if you can manage that stuff good for you that's awesome but for seventy percent of Americans I mean if the average American has an outstanding balance of six grand say six grand like their interest is going to be what what. 150 bucks a uh, month, 200 bucks a month. Yeah. Like, and you're paying the minimum. So you're never going to pay that off. Like, yep. It, they, they make their money back on those miles. And with, any, with, yeah. <laughs> yep. Probably even more. Yeah. Because, but I mean, even if you have these miles, how are you going to afford to go if you have a $6,000 outstanding credit card balance? Like, <laughs> you put you're, not even gonna get credit to, card. you're not even going to get to go on a trip. Um, yeah. I, As somebody that only has one credit card, I can't imagine having three or four. And people probably call me stupid. And like, oh, you know, your credit score goes up if you have more credit cards. I don't really care that yeah, what my credit score. score is like. 
I have a credit card, so I don't really need to worry about it. I have a house. If I buy a car in cash, like, guess what? My credit score doesn't matter. Yeah, credit credit scores are small boy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I've been kind of ranting a little bit. What do you, do you have any other thoughts on this kind of stuff? No, I, I think I basically exactly agree. Like, I don't really care much about the credit score. It's it's easy to have a good credit score, and it's really easy to have a bad credit score if you aren't disciplined. And it doesn't and I don't know. I mean, I think that's that's all it comes down to. Finance is is discipline, and you can learn everything else. It's like a cherry on top, and yeah, that's yeah. I think that's it for me on credit cards. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody's in debt, I guess, or most people. You, what were you saying earlier? You said that we're just copying the. Yeah. The, somebody somebody said the citizen just following the lead of the government. Like, yeah. <laughs> And you know the other thing is, well, the government has the audacity to give me a credit score. Look how much debt they have. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, we can get out I of mean, this. I mean, the, the, so we had. I think there's two general uh, problems. The number one is the the discipline aspect of, of of credit cards. I think we've covered that really well. But then the second one is, it seems like the credit card debt has gone up quite a bit recently like really recently and that's actually i feel like that's a symbol a sign of something else and that's less a sign of discipline and maybe more a sign of econ actual economic struggles like desperation to they don't no stay one has afloat. the money to stay afloat and so they open new credit cards and and go into debt which just i feel like further increases the cycle or spiral down into debt so i don't know i mean to me, that's kind of what the the 202 million new credit credit cards since or signals to me is. It's like, holy crap, the I can't afford this, and I need to pay my I don't know health bill or something. So they open a new credit card and go into debt, which is worrisome. I mean, I don't really feel I I feel a little bit sorry for the the undisciplined, but less so, but a lot more. Uh, I guess empathetic for the uh, people who are genuinely poor yeah. people. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. The the economy. Yeah. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Are student loans still on hold? Yeah. Yeah. Until. June, <laughs> yeah, forever. forever. <laughs> it's been three freaking years, basically, almost exactly three years in, in a month. Uh, like, what's? I don't understand. I, I don't understand how people are gonna cut when when the student loan payments resolve. This is another aspect of of the problems of fin financial literacy in the U.S. Is people got those loan programs paused, and I guarantee at least half have adjusted their lives to having, you know, a 258 extra dollars a month because uh, they're not paying their loans. What's going to happen when it comes back? It, they're not going to be able to afford these things. And then, yeah, it's another whole mess that I think is going to happen in the near future if they ever actually turn them back on. I, the reason they haven't is because everyone just keeps kicking the can down the road until the next 
whoever, whatever politician is going to bring it back is going to be incredibly unpopular. So they kind of have to fall on the sword of, of uh, bringing it back as it's kind of a necessary evil, I guess. Yeah. The, my, my theory on that, as far as the politician goes, it's going to be Biden. The, the guy's old enough. The guy's late enough in his career. Do the un, all unpopular things while he's in office. We can just say, well, he was crazy. That's not the true Democratic Party. And mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my theory. I don't know how true that is. Um, not trying to take a political stance on, on him at all. But if I, I was in politics, that's what I would do. Like, we'll just blame the old guy. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that, but I don't know why they wouldn't do it already. Like the midterms are over, uh, and the next election is coming up. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if Biden's not planning on running. I think the party that brings student loans back is going to be incredibly unpopular for several months. So it's like, I guess the Americans have really short memory. So I guess June is if it comes back in June, then it's uh, going to be long forgotten by twenty twenty four. So maybe I'm. Yeah, maybe I'm I'm kind of talking myself out of it now that that they'd be less popular. But <laughs> well, I mean, for Oklahoma, I think it's Inhofe. I think he's Inhofe. pretty old, isn't he? Inhofe is gone now. Yeah, he is. I thought he was. Yeah, yeah, he's gone now. I mean, he just I... left in midterms, or? Yep. Yeah, okay. I think they had the okay. new. I don't know who the new senator is, but but I I think they have the new one now. I read some bill like on who voted on one of the bills, and he voted for one that I was like, that doesn't make any sense, and. I was talking to somebody. He's like, "Well, he's on his way out. What does it matter? Like, he's gonna do oh. he's gonna do whatever handshakes in the background that he needs to do, and and get out of there." So, mm-hmm. like, hey, we'll give you some money if you vote for this. Um, we know you're on your way out, so it won't hurt your legacy. So, I don't know. I think that's kind of what's going to happen for Biden, but I could be completely wrong. I could see that. Yeah. Um, we're getting close to the hour mark. You have any hot takes? I guess I kind of just gave one. I don't know if that's a hot take, but yeah, I think I gave my hot takes on the finance part. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else right now. Airbnb is oh, collapsing. Up, yeah. I, yeah, I will bring up. I, I uh, next week I, I will talk shortly about. I haven't read this paper yet because I haven't really had a lot of time to read extra science, um, but I will this week. And there's a it seems to be an interesting study on potential solid treatment for Alzheimer's. Um, and it actually has to do with NAD, which is what I work on, at least in part. It's like a cocktail of different uh, drugs slash supplements. So that's that's that'll be next week, at least for I can, I can probably summarize it within five minutes. So <laughs> if the study is as in, if the study is as as promised, uh, you know, sometimes the headlines look nicer than than what the actual data set is, but we'll see. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Chat GPT. Chat GPT. I saw somebody hook up. They had Chat GPT write a story for them for their English class, and it had to be handwritten. They hooked up the. <laughs> they uh, you saw the tweet that I sent you. Probably. Yeah. They hooked up the uh, their paper to a three D printer, and put a pen on the three D printer. And it wrote their paper for them. So uh, <laughs> we've come full circle for 
Um, you can't stop us. Uh, <laughs> also, that kid's going places. <laughs> yeah, they'll uh, he'll be for Microsoft. Uh, I think Bill Gates used to have some foundation was like finding the laziest people that are smart. Yes, I've heard of that before. Yeah, so the, maybe he'll, he'll be through that. The places you want to look are the lazy, smart people who have basically automated away their life tasks. Those are the best people to yeah. hire. Um, yeah, <laughs> they'll save you a bunch of money in the long run. Yeah. And then once they're done, you just fire them, right? So, <laughs> um, Well, if we don't have anything else, uh, this has been Sim- Simply Technical. Like, subscribe, show us some love on YouTube Shorts and TikTok. Um, we had just posted a couple more clips, so... Appreciate it. See you. See you.